Welcome to the Lifehouse Church Podcast. Lifehouse is a church that exists to invite all people to live an uncommon life by following Jesus, doing life together, getting in the game, and leaving a legacy. We hope that today's message helps you grow as a follower of Jesus, gives you perspective to see yourself and others differently, and inspires you to make a difference in the world around you. Now, let's get to this week's message. Of service. Uh, man, Christmas, Christmas is awesome because it's pretty easy to tell you what happened on Christmas. You all know what happened. Jesus was born, right? Um, and, and so, you know, really, I, I find, though, there, there's so much to talk about on Christmas. But it can be challenging as a preacher to say, how do I take this story that's a couple thousand years old? People already know the ending. And how can I take it and make it relevant in person and, and kind of just, just make it actually relate to where you are in your life? And what I have found is, is that especially during Christmas, Easter time, when some of you, that's, that's the only time you come, and hey, we appreciate you being here. But like whenever we have Christmas, Easter, my heart isn't just to tell you what happened. My heart is to help you take what was done 2,000 years ago and make it relate to your life right now. That's the whole purpose of the Bible that we face, is like, how do we take this book and make it relevant, applicable to where you are right here and right now? And when I was really praying about, and, and, and really here's the thing, right? Because many of us celebrate a day, but we never experience the power of it. We can, we can celebrate a day and a birth of a person, but never actually experience the power and purpose of what that birth meant. And so that is my heart today, is to maybe take the cookies, as they would say, and put them on the bottom shelf so you can eat and taste and see that the Lord is good today. And the Christmas is so much more than just celebrating, as Ricky Bobby would say, five pounds, six ounce, little baby Jesus. But we would see him, yes, he came as a baby, but he lived, he died, he resurrected, and he purchased for us freedom. There's power in the name of Jesus. As I was praying about what to share today, the word freedom kept ringing in my spirit. And so I want to talk to you today from the subject title, The Gift of Freedom. The Gift of Freedom. Turn to somebody and say, The Gift. Now turn to your second choice and say, Of Freedom. <laughs> a little salty. A little salty that you're the second, second choice. It's all right, though. Who you turn to first is only the one you love the most. I'm just saying. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. We're going to start in Matthew. We heard the account of Jesus' birth from our Lifehouse kids. We appreciate them. We're going to read a little bit of the account from Matthew. The Bible has four Gospels in it, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the Gospels are simply four accounts, almost like biographies of Jesus' life. And they're, they're, they're written from, and from different pers- perspectives to help see how beautiful Jesus is from different viewpoints. And the one from Matthew specifically is written from a Jewish perspective to a Jewish audience. And so we're going to pick up in Matthew chapter 1, verse number 18. We're going to read through verse number 21. It says this. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Imagine that conversation. Hey, Joseph, can we sit down? Hey, um, I'm pregnant. And Joseph, oh, little Joseph, is like, Mary, we ain't been together, girl. And she's like, I know. 
it's from the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you. I'd be like, girl, you crazy. I, I never heard that. And then it says this, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and did not want to expose her to the public's disgrace, he had a mind to divorce her quietly. So he was like, she crazy. I ain't going to let her out like that. I ain't going to expose her business like that, but I'm going to leave her because she crazy. Right? But this is, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because how many of you know it would probably take a dream? Fellas. Do we got any fellas here? It would take a dream. For the Lord to give you, if, if your wife or your soon-to-be wife came home and said, hey, I'm pregnant from the Holy Spirit, you would need Jesus to give you a dream. <laughs> he says, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name what? Jesus. Let's say that loud and proud. Come on. Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. He will save. That word could also be free. He will free his people from their sins. You know, the greatest thing Jesus ever did was free you from the power of sin. I know sin, we don't like to talk about sin a whole lot in church, and really when we hear that word sin, some of you, you start twitching, because that's all you heard growing up in church. Don't sin, don't sin, don't sin, just don't do this and don't do that. And what that can do is it can actually numb you to the power of what Jesus did, and numb you to the purpose of what Jesus came to do. And your greatest need was his greatest purpose. Your greatest need was to be free from the power of sin and death. Scripture says Jesus became sin. Jesus lived the life we could not live, died the death we should have died in our place and for our sin, arose and defeated our three greatest enemies, Satan, sin, and death. And that's why Jesus was born. He came to ultimately die. Even the, the name Jesus in that word, very name Jesus, means God of salvation, the God that saves us and the God that frees us. If Jesus never did another thing for you besides freeing you of your sin, he would still be worthy of our praise and the whole of our lives. It's what we needed most. But this was actually prophesied about Jesus, that he would bring freedom. He'd be the God of freedom that would free us. Actually, let's fast forward 30 years from the moment Jesus was born. Jesus went back to his hometown, went back to his home church. It was his home synagogue. And when Jesus went back to his home church, his home synagogue, there were some people that were giving him the side eye. And how many of you know, if you went back to your home church, went back to your home kids ministry, went back, went back to your home church, people would give you a side eye as well. Because they would remember you as the hellion in the children's ministry. That's what happened with me, right? Well, I mean, I, I remember I caused so much hell in children's ministry, I'd get saved every Sunday. Every Sunday, they'd be up there, I'd be like, if you want to... Get saved. Raise your hand. Every Sunday, I'm raising my hand. Why? Not because I wanted to get saved, because I wanted to go to the front. Because you'd actually crawl under the stage. So I'd be like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm getting saved. But I, I would cause so much hell. And I remember when I, when I had the opportunity to go back and work at the place, like work as, as a pastor at the place that I actually grew, grew up in. I had some people give me some side eyes like, oh, you're a pastor now. Well, you gave me hell when you were in his ministry, right? And sometimes this happens, but this is what Jesus does. He goes back to his hometown. We're going to actually pick up in Luke chapter 4. It says this, he went to Nazareth, which was his hometown. It says where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. Because we just pause right there. Jesus went to church. 
Every time, every week, he had a weekly set-aside time to go and gather in, in community. This is a free one. This has nothing to do with, these, nothing to do with Chris, Chris, Christmas or, or the message. But Jesus went to church. We should go to church, too. Okay. Uh, next, it said he stood up. So he was in the synagogue. It says he stood up, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. And this is written in Isaiah chapter 61. It says, the spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim what? Freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed, what? Free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. What a boss move. He's like, hey, these scriptures that you have been yearning for, idolizing, going to, finding hope and purpose in, these very scriptures you are finding hope in, this was actually a prophecy written by Isaiah 700 years before Jesus actually read it. He was saying, this has now been fulfilled, this longing to be free, this longing to be a prisoner that is set free, this longing for the oppressed to be set free, this is now actually fulfilled with me. And what was Jesus doing? He was proclaiming his purpose. He was like, this is why I am here. And I feel like on this Christmas Eve service, this Christmas Sunday, this is what the reminder is to all of you. Jesus came to set you free so you can live free. And my prayer today is that as we talk about this concept of freedom, that the Holy Spirit will do something in your heart, mind, and spirit. Because here's the thing, Jesus was ultimately born to give you the gift of freedom. It's crazy when you study a word in the Bible, you actually see that it's actually a thread throughout the whole Bible. Want to look up this word free and freedom. Think about Genesis chapter 2. Go, go back to creation. God was telling Adam and God was telling Eve, the Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat. You are free to eat from any tree in the garden. What a great gig. It's like, bro, you free. Free to eat. Exodus chapter 6, if you remember, the Israelites, God's people, they were in slavery. The, the Egyptians had ruled over them. God heard their cry. says, therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord. I will free you from being slaves. God's heart was freedom. Isaiah 61, the prophecy we just read that Jesus said, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim freedom for the captives. When Jesus was on the scene and he was preaching and teaching, one of the things he said in John 8, he said, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you what? Free. John 8, 36, a few verses after this one, in the same teaching he was given, he said um, that if the Son, if Jesus sets you free, you are free indeed. What a lot of freedom talk. Then you get to Paul, Romans chapter 6. Romans is kind of the theological masterpiece of Paul describing how, how we were damned by sin, how Jesus came and freed us in the life we can now live. He said, you have been set free from sin. Ro uh, excuse me, 2 Corinthians 3, when Paul's talking about what the... Holy Spirit gives. He says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom. Next, when, when Paul was talking to a church that was, that, that was doing good things on the outside, but dead on the inside, he said, look, you, or it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Because what he was specifically speaking to there is he, is he was saying they were dead and bound up in their religion. Here's the thing, there are two ways to miss the good news of Jesus Christ, rebellion and religion. And both of them are a certain form and kind of prison. Rebellion is saying you want to do things your way, 
Religion says, I'm going to do things my way to make God like me. And it's two ways to miss it. And specifically here, Paul is speaking to a church that was so steeped in the good that they were doing, they, got, they had the mindset, we don't need Jesus, we're good enough. So he was saying, y'all, y'all are actually more bound than, than the rebellious. Because you're putting more trust in your good works than the one who did a good work. He says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And then he also said in, in that same book, he said, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be what? Do you hear God's heart for you? My, my prayer is that when you hear these things from the Bible, you just would not hear more information. So many people go to the Bible to get more information about God instead of trying to go to it to get more in a relationship with God. Because many times the Bible is looked at as being a list of rules we have to follow instead of a set in, in, instead of a book that reveals to us the nature, the character of a God that loves us and created us and wants the best for us. And we can totally miss the message of this whenever we just say, well, what do I have to do? Instead of saying, who do I get to know? Because that, that is what the Bible is. It is divine revelation. Revelation is different than just mere information. Information is like what you can read and study. Revelation is revealed knowledge. And that's what the ultimate heart of the Bible is. It is to reveal to you who God is. And I can see that God's heart for you, his plan and purpose for you, what Jesus came to do is to bring freedom. Now, I don't know about you. I've learned in 15 years of marriage, celebrating 15 years here. I think my wife's in here. Is my wife here? Babe, is that you? She's acting like she doesn't know me. She does that quite often. Whenever I try to acknowledge her or compliment her or say, babe, I love you, she acts like she don't know me. Babe, you can say hi. Can, can you say hi? Okay, thank, thank, thank you. Good Lord. We've been married 15 years. I know we don't look, look like it. No, it looks like we got married when we were 14. No. Um, but anyway, what I've learned in 15 years of marriage is that it's vital you operate from the same dictionary. Because I can be saying a word, and she can be hearing a word and saying a word, but we could have completely different meanings of what those words are. Steve, have you ever dealt, dealt with that? Yes, right? Like, because, like, when, when I ask my wife, is she okay? My definition of okay and her definition of okay are completely different. So when I'm like, are you okay? She's like, I'm okay. Men, let me just tell you, she ain't okay. She, she ain't okay. Your definition of okay ain't the same definition as her definition of okay. So y'all need to get like, what does that actually mean? You need to clarify terms. I don't know about y'all, how many of y'all, you got kids and you're like, go and clean your room and they come back and they say, it's clean, dad. I want to introduce y'all to my son, Jackson. Hey, Jackson, do you want to go ahead and raise your hand? Let me tell you what old Jax does. Jax will say, it's clean, Dad. And I'll go into the room, and I'm like, yeah, we have totally different definitions of what clean is. Getting a broom and shoving everything under your bed is not the definition of clean that I have. Need to make sure we get on the same definition. Or how many of you have experienced this? Whenever your wife or girl, whatever, she asks, you know, you say, where do you want to eat? Or she says, whatever you want to do, babe. 
How many of you know what, wherever you want to go ain't what, she, ain't what she really means? She wants you to read her mind. Right? So here, here, here's what I'm saying, right? Like, you've got to make sure your definition of freedom matches God's definition of freedom. Because y'all can be like, freedom, freedom, but you not, not have the same definition that God has. Or not match the same definition that Jesus came to give you. And so you could be like, I want freedom, I want freedom, I, f- I feel free, and have the wrong definition of freedom. So that's what I want to do today. I want to take the final moments of this service, and I want to explain to you God's heart for freedom, what that actually means, so we can make sure we're operating from the same dictionary. So hopefully it's something you can walk out with knowing and having something that's on your heart, mind, and spirit, so you can walk in it, because ultimately it's what Jesus came to do, set the oppressed free, family. God's heart for you is freedom. Before we talk about what freedom is, I want to talk to you what freedom isn't, because there's actually a false freedom. And this is a freedom to do whatever you want to do. Because many people, freedom to them is being free from God. Where, where, where they, they, they want freedom from, like they want freedom from God instead of freedom, like from God. Like instead of receiving free, freedom from him, they want to find freedom away from him. So they can desire because they think God's so restricting, God just has boundaries, God just tells me what I can't do, and I want to be free and do what I want to do, and if I could be free, then I'll be really free. And I don't know about you. How many of people you went into college thinking you just wanted freedom, but then you just became bound to different things? Freedom from my parents, freedom from boundaries, freedom from having to do this. And then you get into an environment and you be like, I can't. I can't stop drinking, I can't stop smoking, I can't stop sleeping with people that I don't know who they are. Hello, somebody. Welcome to Christmas at Lifehouse, right? Like, but this is what I'm, I'm saying. In our desire for freedom, we might not actually understand what we're wanting freedom to. We just say, God, I just want to be free from you, and that's a false form of freedom. Because let me tell you, tell you this, you can want to be free from God, but if you want yourself free from God and you want to do things your own way, I don't know if you really understand what you're asking. I'm going to talk about my son Jackson again because I love him and he's in here. And so I can preach to him right now. Right? So it's like a 12-year-old son, soon to be 13 years old. He would love to be free from dad and mom. He would love it. Like, I want to play games when I want to play them. I want to sleep when I want to sleep, which is never. I want to drink Mountain Dew and Monsters. Caffeine, sugar, donuts. Honey buns, chips. I want to do what I want to do. And I appreciate that desire because what I know he is wanting is he is wanting autonomy. It's a natural progression, right? He's wanting to grow up a little bit. He's realizing I know a few things, a few things. And so he's wanting some independence. But I don't think he really understands what that independence entails, so that's why I ask him, do you want the freedom to pay your own bills? Do you want the freedom to fill a fridge you don't even have? Do you want the freedom to drive a car you don't have yet? Are y'all seeing where I'm going? I he doesn't understand what true freedom means because he wants freedom from me, but it's actually going to lead him into a whole idea of freedom where now he has to be totally responsible for everything. 
And this is what we can do with God. We think, I want to be free from God, I want to be free from him. But what you're saying is, okay, then if you're free from him, you have to make and find your own purpose. You have to figure out why you're on this planet. You have to figure out what's right and wrong. You have to say, well, well what's going to happen when I die? Like, but, but then, too, here's the scary part. You have to then pay for your own sins. Are y'all seeing what I'm saying? This is a freedom that, 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 that as sinners, and this is how we got in this mess. This is what Adam and Eve, Genesis didn't just happen, Genesis happens. The, you know, Adam, Eve, you're like, oh, that's Adam and Eve, that's old stuff. Y'all, that's us. The story of Adam and Eve is us. Story of Adam and Eve is we all the time choose to do things that aren't God's best and we reap the consequences of it. And what Adam and Eve ultimately wanted is a freedom apart from God, but in that desire for freedom, it actually put them more bound than they ever thought. So in our desire for freedom, we have to confront maybe the ideas of freedom we have. So let's, let's dive in quick because I ha apparently have 11 minutes left. And I'm not even on part one. Welcome to Lifehouse. If you make yourself at home here, I preach a little bit. But all right, we're going to go through these quick. So I want to talk to you a little bit about what God's freedom actually looks like and what God's freedom actually is and what you are invited to experience. Because that's what God is. It's an invitation from him to experience his goodness and his freedom. Number one, God's freedom means a new identity. God frees you from the burden of having to create or find your identity. Because here's the truth. You are going to live from who you think and see yourself as. You can't not do that. Identity always precedes action. Y'all hear me. Who you think you are, even scripture says this, as a man thinketh, so he what? So he is. As a man thinks about himself. And we live in, in a culture that instead of looking up to God to receive the identity, receive our God-given identity from him, now we're looking inside to us or outside to others to have an identity to say who we are. How is that going? Not good. I feel the root of a lot of the craziness we see in our world is we're trying to make and create or find something that we were originally intended to receive from God, an identity. When God created Adam and Eve, what did, what did he stamp on them, image of God? Did they do anything to be made in God's image? No. God gave them an identity. Think about Jesus. When Jesus started his public ministry, before Jesus did a thing for his father, God the Father said, this is my son with whom I love, with whom I am very well pleased. He said, I affirm you and love you before you do a thing. He affirmed his identity. God has always put identity first before he asks anybody to do anything. Think about Peter. Y'all know Peter, cussing Peter? This is why Peter's my favorite. <laughs> a little loud mouth, a little foot and mouth disease. Say the wrong thing at the wrong time, wrong way. Think about what Jesus did to Peter. He said, I'm not no longer going to call you Simon. I'm going to call you Peter. What does Peter? It translates Cephas in Aramaic, which translates into rock. And he said, on you, Peter, 
I'm going to build my church. He told him he was going to build his church on him before Peter denied him. Before Peter said, I don't even know this dude, God looked at it, Jesus looked at him and said, I'm going to build my church. I'm even changing your name. Your identity is a rock. We're going to build this thing. on. You're going to be one of the pillars of the church. But Jesus even knew he was going to deny him. What was he doing? I'm saying your identity right now. This is so important that you recognize this as a follower of Jesus, as a Christian. You can find freedom because you're not being enslaved to the labels you give yourself or the world is trying to give you. The first one you can be free to walk in and receive is image of God, son or daughter of God. That's why 2 Corinthians 5 is so powerful. Paul was speaking to this church in Corinth that, man, this church was lit, not in a good way getting drunk during communion, sleep families sleeping together, fighting over spiritual gifts, like they were jacked up. But what Paul was trying to get into this church was you have to know who you are before you try to change what you do. Because the way we mess things up is we have people that come into church, just change, just, just, just change, just do different things. And what we're telling people is your behavior changes what your identity is. Instead of telling people, you have been changed. Jesus has freed you. He's given you a new identity. Therefore, because of who you now are, this is what you are called to live up to and live into. This is what the good news is, y'all. Because so many of us try to change our identity through our behavior. But that's the backwards way of the gospel. That's why Paul, when he would talk to these churches that were jacked up, messed up, doing crazy stuff, he would always affirm who they were. That's why he said, 2 Corinthians 5, he said, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. It's identity. That's why your identity in Christ isn't achieved, it's received. This is such good news because if you don't receive it from God, you'll spend your life trying to create it or find it. That's why some of you, the main thing you see yourself and define yourself as is by your title or by your education letters by your name. It's because, right, or your bank account or your retirement or do you see how good things can become God things? When at the end of the day, the most important thing about you, what God calls you is his son, his daughter. You don't have to be enslaved to finding or creating an identity. You can lift your face up and receive it from the God that made you and created you. And then it's that identity that then motivates you to then want to live differently because you know who you now are in Christ. Okay, I got to hurry. Secondly, God's freedom means a new law to obey. Anyone else here, my, my, yeah. Uh, any, any, anybody else here, you get frustrated that you can't seem to do the right thing? Like you drive by Krispy Kreme and you can't not pull in when that red light's on? You know what I'm saying, Ron? Or you, you know you shouldn't say those words to that person, you shouldn't cuss, cuss at them, but you do it anyway. You, you, you know you have no money in the bank, but you want to buy that thing, so you take your credit card out and swipe it. Um, you, you know that you like to numb yourself, so that's why you use drugs and why you smoke and why you drink is because you numb yourself, but you don't want to do it, but you keep on doing it. Anybody else there? What I love is that the Bible doesn't hide its hero's faults. The Bible doesn't try to cover up 
the people that God uses doesn't try to cover up their jacked up side. Why? Because the Bible wants to let us know it's called being human. And, and that's what I, I love. And I'm saying all this to you because the Bible makes us feel human. Because even in Romans chapter 7, the person that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, this was his testimony. Romans chapter 7. This is what Paul said. He said, I have discovered this principle of life. That even when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Like, this is my testimony, right? He said, I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war within my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. The answer is in who? Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then we see Romans 7. It seems pretty hopeless. Let's go into Romans 8. This is, this is what it says he then writes, so now there is now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Condemnation is where you take something you do and you define yourself by it. This is what Satan does. Many of you struggle to live up to who your identity in Christ is because the devil takes something you do and attacks you and says this is who you are. Condem condemnation will always try to take an action and make it an identity. Which is what the devil does, man. And that's why some of you struggle to live up and live into all God, because you are condemning yourself instead of realizing when the Holy Spirit will bring conviction. Conviction is a God-given gift. Because conviction is basically saying, this isn't right, you shouldn't do that, this isn't God's best. But conviction never attacks your identity, it corrects and speaks to what you might be doing. And, and, and that's why what, what Paul is saying here, he's, he's like, there is there found now no condemnation. Why? Because, and let's go ahead and read, read, read on. There's now no condemnation for those who, are, who belong to Christ Jesus because you belong to him. The power of the life-giving spirit has what? Freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have, and in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving us his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied in us, or for us, who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. Let me tell you why, why this is good news. You do not have to be enslaved by your habits, hurts, hangups, and trauma and be a victim to this body, and just obey everything it says. It says that because of Jesus, he broke the power that when you start to follow Jesus, what you find is that the Spirit gives you the ability to actually have a choice in what you say, what you do, and what you participate in. One of the fruits of the Holy Spirit, it says that God gives us the spirit of self-control. Do you know what self-control is? It's this. You can step back when you're in a situation, and you can see the options. And then you have the Holy Spirit that's like talking you through it. Yeah, John, here's, here's the thing. They were disrespectful to you. You should punch them. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Then you got the Holy Spirit that's like, is that wise? Is that honoring God? Is that what you should do? And instead of just being dominated by the flesh and obeying every impulse that it tells me to do, 
to punch. I can step back and I can invite the Holy Spirit, live from the power of the Holy Spirit because Christ has freed us from the power of having to live according to whatever the flesh wants to do. We can step back and we can make a choice by the power of the Holy Spirit to step in and do what honors God. This is what Jesus freed you to do. He broke the power of sin so you don't have to be a victim and enslaved to every whim, to every fleshly desire you have. He freed you. What is this doing? This is ultimately you living under the rule and reign of God. And y'all, this is the sweet spot of freedom we find and see in scripture. It is living under God's rule and reign, but living over creation. So you, you, so let, let, you know, let me say it to you this, this way, right? It's odd to me that someone starts to, like someone will become a Christian, they'll say a prayer, but after they say the prayer, they have no desire to let God live over them. They say a prayer because they don't want to go to hell. <laughs> so really, their, their relationship with God is like, Lord, I prayed, I said the prayer, I'm good. Uh, it's a get out of hell free card. But then after they say the prayer, they have no desire to live under the rule and reign of God. Right? This is the way many Christians in the United States, are, like many people have done. They've said a prayer, but there hasn't been any walking out of the, of, of the effects of submitting their life to Christ. They, they want to get out of hell free, but they don't want to submit to him in their daily life. And what I'm saying is this. If you don't want to live under the rule and reign of God right here and right now on earth, why would you ever want to go to heaven? Because heaven, and let me just, you know, pick on country music. <laughs> country music portrays heaven as this big music festival. You're going to have beers with your bros. You're going to see old Uncle Ricky, Uncle Joe, and you're going to have a beer with them, and it's just going to be this big beer fest as y'all just are in heaven together, and you're free to do whatever you want, and you got a big field and horses. and Y'all, that is not what heaven is portrayed as. Heaven is portrayed as a place where you are living under the goodness, the greatness, and the rule and reign of God. And if you have no desire for that on this earth, why would you ever want to go to heaven? Actually, that would be your hell. Welcome to Christmas at Lifehouse. You're really, we're really glad you're here now, but I hope you're hearing me today. Because really, hell at the end of the day isn't God being like, you're, you're terrible. Go. Hell is full of people that say, I got it. I want to do things my way. I want no authority. I want no rule or reign over me. I, I want to do my own thing. And, and so that, but, but what you actually receive when you live under the rule and reign of God is you actually receive freedom because you receive power. You receive an identity. You actually receive what your soul was created to receive. So my heart for you is that, we, is, is that you would examine, maybe you've looked at Jesus just as a way to get out of hell free instead of a God to submit to. And maybe you aren't living in the freedom you want, the freedom you hope for, is because you're still playing a game where you want your freedom, but you don't want to go to hell. And y'all, that, that is the recipe for a miserable Christian that wants to not have eternal consequences, but wants to do what they want to do right here, right now. Okay, let's go ahead and end this thing. Andy, come up here. We need to end this thing.
All right, lastly, and y'all, I hope you hear my heart for God's freedom today. We're getting on the same page of what his definition is, right? His definition is a new identity. His definition is a new law to obey. And lastly, his definition is, is, is freedom is learning uh, a new way to live, a new way to live. Because here, here, here's, the, here's the idea. God has, like, Jesus freed you, or he gave you the opportunity to be free. And this is something that Scripture says you can't earn. This is something Scripture says you can't be good enough. It's, it, it's a gift. What Ephesians 2 says, he's, he, he says, for it is by grace, meaning grace means that you can't earn it. It's something that is just given. It's, it says, you've, 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 for by grace you've been saved through faith, meaning it's your Belief. Many people think it's just belief mentally, but it's also like what Scripture defines faith as is faith isn't just what you believe. Faith is what you is actually shown by what you do. So he says, saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a what? It's a gift. What are you going to get when you receive? Probably tomorrow. You're going to get gifts. And that that is what I, I pray you know that like. Jesus says it's a gift to be free, to be saved, to follow him. Like it's nothing you can do. Something you just receive it. You don't achieve it. You just receive it. But what I have realized is is that you can receive the power of something, but it can take you a while to start living in that power. So think about the Israelites, right? They, God opened the Red Sea. They walked through it walked into freedom, but how many years did it actually take them to get their mind, their heart, and their emotions into a place where they're actually living free? It took years. But y'all, this is our story. If you've received Jesus, you want to be like him, you're following him. That's what Jesus said, come and follow me. That's what this thing is. It's, It's following him. And we realize that Jesus makes us free, and then We have the freedom then to learn to live a new way. That's what discipleship is. When we say discipleship, we mean the process of becoming like Jesus. At our church, we say we're not trying to be like Jesus. We're doing what? Like music to my ears. Could tell it's getting in. We're training to be like him. Why why is this better? Because trying means you're trying to earn something you already have. You're like, I'm trying to get free. You already are free. You're learning and training to live out and live in the freedom Jesus has already given you. Yeah, let's give God some praise for that. Y'all, this is such good news because many of you have never heard this before. You've just heard try harder, do better. Just willpower, man. And y'all, that is... Y'all, that, 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 that just leads to why some of y'all only come on Christmas and Easter. Because y'all get tired. And I think it's because you have the wrong cycle. You have the wrong idea. You already are. And now your journey to freedom is what you get to do as a follower of Jesus. Following him is a get to, not a have to. It's because we're learning to live in the freedom we already have. This is This is the good news of the gospel. This is what Jesus ultimately came to do, family. So here's my heart today. Receive the gift of freedom, man. 
Maybe, maybe some of you, you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. Maybe some of you, you like, you've, okay, you made a decision to follow Jesus, but you're struggling to live in the freedom that you already have. Y'all, this is, pray today that, that you just heard a definition of freedom and you felt freedom. You say, this is what is available. That you know his definition, because this is why Jesus was born. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. And if today's message helped or inspired you, feel free to share it with someone. If after today's message you have questions, need help, or just want somebody to talk to or process with, just shoot LifeHouse a text to 757-690-2401. For more information about LifeHouse, you can visit us at lifehouseonline.church. That's lifehouseonline.church.